Thank you for joining us for another installment of the Opinionated Sense Podcast. Welcome. I am your host, Patrick Farrar. Please do me a huge favor if you haven't done so yet. Go visit us at OpinionatedSense.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook. And also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Google Play. If you haven't checked out the videos that we also have on our YouTube channel, go there. We put all the content up there. So it's easier and accessible for you to find. If you have any comments, questions, concerns, show ideas, uh, please reach out. We'd love to hear from the feedback from our listeners. And thank you again for listening to the shows. And today is going to be an example of feedback loops right here. So we're going to do another Q&A session today. I was asked a few questions by some people. I have two questions that I've been asked um, and I've thought a lot lately about. And I figured it would be a great time to take and go uh, dive into a couple of these topics that were uh, posed to me as it could be valuable for just people in general. First is going to be a development question, and then the second is going to be more of a uh, general startup question, startup e type question uh, there. So let's just dive in. First question that I have uh, comes from uh, a friend, a colleague that basically is asking, what is test-driven development? Do you use it? And why is it important? And how do you use it? And I thought this is a great question to talk about just in general from a standpoint of startups, uh, development teams, and just things in general. One of the main problems that developers run into whenever you're trying to release a product or whenever you're trying to take in work in a software is changing env changing environment variables, like just changing variables of the product and the landscape. If I take and add something to A, will it work do based upon what I've changed? And so one of the main things that people run into is, oh, I released a piece of software and it's not ex working as I expected. And there's different ways that people have over the years tried to combat that. And one of the methodologies is called test driven development. And the methodology is very, it's kind of simple, but it's hard to sometimes put into practice. So uh, I just kind of want to talk about it a little bit more. So test driven development starts where you actually, as you're taking and going through the development process of a phase for software, you figure out based upon the user stories, this is a um, either done through scrum or done through some sort of agile planning process. You have a user story, and that tells you about what you're trying to build. And it has some set of acceptance criteria. And it's like, this: given that this user does this, they should expect this, and it should act in a certain way. And what that allows a developer or anybody taking and working the process to do is figure out, okay, so the outcome is supposed to be X. So let's put a hypothetical. If I'm building a system, if a user logs in, I should be able to see the home page, right? So the user will be authenticated, they will have some roles, and then they can go see a home page. So in test driven development, what you actually do is you start by writing your tests first. So you take in before you write any markup, back end code, anything like that, you say, okay, I want to have a test that says that if the user logs in and clicks this button and puts their right credentials in that they are going to take and go to this home page. And what you do is you have, you run that test and that test will take and say, Oh, it'll fail until you take and have that code built. So it passes. And so you're actually working from the back that the back of the story all the way back up to the front. So you're working from the end result all the way up to how do I build this? And so what you eliminate by taking and doing test driven development is you eliminate some of the guesswork of like, Oh, should this work in this way? Because you're taking and thinking about the end process prior to going into it. So test driven development is extremely beneficial. However, it takes a lot of practice and discipline to do it because test driven development requires you to be uh, 
thinking about stuff prior to building them in a way that they are going to be tested and functional here. You can't just hack things together and test their own development. One of the curses and one of the main anti-patterns that people do is they backfill test suites. Like you build a bunch of functionality out and then you backfill it. It's something that happens in large code bases um, when you're trying to get something up. It's not a bad thing. It's just a thing. So um, if you're looking at doing some sort of test-driven development, what it does in the long term is it takes and allows you to, as you're building out new products and features on your application or whatever, it gives you reliability and an understanding that what you built won't break something else. Because you have a test suite that's going to run it whenever you release the code through like either a continuous integration system or even just run on your local development box. Like if I taken was doing the like logout screen and for some reason previously the login test was passing and then now I'm working on the logout screen and now the login test isn't passing, I know that the code that I just wrote broke something. So you eliminate regressions uh, in your software and you have long-term stability going forward. It's a, it's a great practice. I think there's some pitfalls that we need to talk about, though, around test-driven development is sometimes when you think about it, it's very binary. I'm either doing it or not doing it. And people go very authoritative in terms of I'm going to test everything and 100% code coverage. And then what you run into is you run into test bloat where you run and you're starting to run – 30 minutes worth of tests prior to everything getting released, you're testing almost everything. And that process is actually hurting you in the long run because you can't actually release code without a passing test. The test suite runs too long. And so that's at the point where a lot of people see this, like this abandonment, this abandonment phase where they say, okay, I'm done with testing because I, it takes 30 minutes every time I make a change to run the test suite. So I'm not going to use it. The benefit and the importance of it is it will allow you to make understandings of the code. Coding is difficult. Um, you're not in every piece of your application all the time, but it gives you checks and balances that the new feature you wrote will not break something else. It gives you that it's that safety blanket for it. So the way that I use it, I have used it in the past, is whenever you have a feature that you're trying to take and work on, you basically take and scope out the user's story, get that figured out. What is What am I trying to build? Write a test for that a failing test, build the code, write the code to make that test pass, test test it, does it work? Yes. Now then assess, does it actually meet the acceptance criteria of the original story? If so, that is good. If the test suite runs and passes green locally on a development box, you are good to go. If not, you have to reinvent the wheel, go back, figure out why it's not passing green. Um, one of the big things that I'd also recommend to do is basically don't try to go for 100% code coverage Coverage the mission-critical items that you have to do. So there's different types of testing that you can run on your applications. There's acceptance testing. There's end-to-end testing. There's unit testing where they test different pieces of functionality and code coverage. Um, I'd expect if you're trying to do any sort of modern application, you'd have some sort of mix between various different amounts of integration testing, end-to-end testing, and so on in your application for it. But one of the key things, too, is also thinking about Continuous integration, uh, where anytime you take and run or commit something to your source control, these tests are run against your code base. And if you if it all passes green, you can actually release that code in, uh, into the future. So test driven development, I'm a huge advocate for. And I think that is one of the main things that you have to do um, from an agile standpoint to take and be considered successful. 
Uh, I think it's tough. Like you, it's not like uh, I think it's more like you're pregnant or you're not. You either do test driven development or you don't, or you try to hack around it. Um, there's no like gray area about it. There's not like I'm almost pregnant kind of thing. So I think that's one of the best things to do is to take and look at it from there. And there's different resources that if you reach out to me, I can take in. Um, there's plenty of resources in different languages and all that stuff to look at, but that is a phenomenal question because I've, you know, testing is always the, um, it's always the interesting one because if you're taking and having limited resources on building a product or an MVP out, you gotta take in account for writing tests, take away from writing code. So, um, sometimes that's a legitimate, uh, concern or like give and take that you have to figure out going into it. So, Again, that's an awesome question. So let me go down to the next one. The next one is basically uh, taking us more into the business and startup realm. And it's around an interesting uh, topic as when do we have the equity talk in startups? And I think this is coming from uh, more of a not a like when, like what date, like is it three months, six months, or it's what stage of the company product idea for the people that have been working on it, do we start to have that equity talk? And uh, I want to thank the person who asked this question for me this week because it was uh, very fulfilling to have this question. And I would post to people to go check and look back at uh, episode four that we've done on Opinionated Stance podcast where we talk about this with my colleague Adam Yala, but I'm going to go into some more, a little bit different detail about it. But we talk about this like in the, how the MVP process works and different things. And he has a very interesting perspective on it. And I have a similar is until you have a product that works and is out and it's generating revenue, um, equity is this fictitious thing. I think everybody realizes that, you know, some ideas are going to take and turn out into being moneymakers. Some ideas are going to turn out to be um, not. And I think at the, everybody wants to have that protection going into a startup because they want to have their stuff be valued. I think the equity talk really needs to be more of what is the level of devotion people have going into um, a working on a product or an idea that is more going to drive these equity talks in the future. When you have it, like when you start to talk equity, you have legal documentation that you're going to have to talk to a lawyer about getting the corporate structure in place, different things. But I think the level of engagement and also managing expectations is a is another way that you can talk about this. Um, so, for example, if you have a developer or a marketing person and somebody else working on a product idea to make, you know, wireless Nerf guns uh, that home in based upon like you can use your iPhone to take and shoot them. If you have somebody like you have three people working on this and one person is do- dedicating you know, 100% of their full-time effort to it, and you have another person who's dedicating 33% of their effort to it, and you have another person that's dedicating 50%, that doesn't necessarily, by the percentages of time they dedicate to it, equate to value that they've put into the business. So I think time and value are different things when you have that equity talk. So I think, for me, what I always look for is when you're trying to assess a new project, it's what are people bringing value to the table, and then how... If that person were to leave, what impact would it have on that product, you know? So thinking about it from a standpoint of like, okay, if the engineer who has all the patents left, would you have a product? Probably not. So then they would be given a certain amount of pie based upon that. I don't think it's necessarily a 
you know, a, oh, this person works 60 hours, so they get X number of dollars and points uh, in that uh, phase. But one of the things that I would challenge anybody taking and doing startups is to hold off on the equity talk until you have your MVP out and you already have users because once you, I think market validation and understanding that if you have something that people are going to want to take and do, figuring out that market analysis first will take and be better than having this equity talk in terms of allocating the resource, the main resource that we have is time. So I, I would challenge anybody, and I'm the reason I'm saying this is this is a, more of an affirmation for myself when I think about this. It's like anybody can have an idea. It could be great, you know, 100% equity in something that's worth nothing is still nothing versus 1% equity in something that's larger scale. So think about it all there you got to focus on the market analysis and doing that particular workout there first. But again, if you want to hear more about this, we talk about this in episode four, I'll put a link in the show uh, notes to that uh, just so you can hear another opinion other than my, my voice droning on on this topic. But I think it's one that's interesting because everybody wants to start these startups and it's a, it's a good thing. And I know that, you know, it's a very difficult conversation to have at times because everybody sometimes you want to have it early on. Uh, it's kind of like the defining the relationship talk. You know, you want to have it early on so you know the level of engagement people have in what you're working on. But more often than not, having that can lead to different uh, negative repercussions where people are only focusing on that and then they're not focusing on do we actually have a business or what do we have coming from here? So, um, yeah, I want to just again, from the bottom of my heart, thank you for anybody who's been sending out these questions uh, and coming to me with this. If you haven't done so, please subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play. Um, the feedback has been amazing, and we're going to start to get back into some more uh, interview-based shows and some more different topics coming up in the near future. I know that uh, we're going to try to get our friend JJ back on to do another uh, show about horse racing here in the near future and explore some of these other topics, more generalized topics outside of the startup and development world. Um, so if that piques your interest and you have anything you want us to take and talk about, feel free to hit us up on Twitter, hit me up on Twitter, P for one, and let me know of any show ideas, topics, questions, comments, concern. Again, this was episode 15. Can't believe we're already at episode 15. It's been an amazing journey so far of the opinionated stance podcast Again, if you have any show ideas, let me know. Um, thank you for listening. It's um, it's actually it's extremely humbling to know that there are people that are listening and that we can help out. So, until next time, cheers, everybody, and we are out. <laughs>